Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jamel Hill. And I'm Van Layton. We're proud to introduce our new podcast, The Wire, Way Down in the Hole. We're going to recap, break down, and analyze every episode of the iconic HBO hit series, The Wire, starting from the beginning with season one. First episodes hit you on April 15th. Now, every podcast episode will include recaps, signature moments, foreshadowing, key character deep dives, little-known facts, and also awards, such as We Love This Show But, the Stringer Bell Fuckboy Award, my personal favorite, who won the episode, and more. So subscribe to The Wire way down in the hole on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you in West Baltimore on April 15th. Today's episode of Jam Session on Ringer Dish on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by World Central Kitchen. Their relief team is working across America to safely distribute individually packaged fresh meals in communities that need support. They're now serving tens of thousands of meals daily in some of our biggest cities like New York and L.A., and they're launching initiatives across America to deliver fresh hot meals to hospitals and clinics, fighting on the front lines while keeping local restaurants in business as well. You can directly help the heroes in hospitals and clinics who are fighting for us, and you can help keep your local restaurants alive. Go to theringer.com slash WCK to donate. We're trying to raise $250,000, and if you have the means, it's an unbelievably great and useful cause that helps our hospital heroes, emergency workers, and local restaurants. Please give whatever you can. The money goes directly to World Central Kitchen, and it's a charitable donation. Once again, that's theringer.com slash WCK. All right, and let's get into the podcast. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Juliette. Major TV event last night. Brad Pitt on HGTV. Who even knew that this was happening until a week ago? Who could dream that Brad Pitt would get to realize his dream of doing construction in front of a lot of people and that we would get to realize our dream of watching Brad Pitt wear the same Rick Owens shirt in like 15 different colors while demolishing a small garage unit in the back of a home in the Santa Monica Flatlands. Okay, so first of all, Santa Monica Flatlands is not a thing. I consulted with my Santa Monica (laughs) experts and then also looked up where this home was and Santa Monica Flats which he said about the location of his home, of this home, which we'll fully explain is not a thing, but that's just a great primer on where Brad Pitt was coming from in this television show. So he appeared on Celebrity IOU, which is the latest show from the Property Brothers, Drew and Jonathan Scott. If you haven't heard of them, congratulations. Um, If you had, you're probably like most Americans and confused about how they've gotten so famous and so big. But here they are with like by what I think is like their fourth or fifth show on HGTV. And the premise of uh, I I used to be a major Property Brothers fan, like really big time, like seven years ago. Could you expand a little on that? What about the Property Brothers spoke to you? Um, I used to just really like the HGTV shows that were in Canada. And they have infiltrated America, but they used to always be like in the Toronto area, basically. And then they occasionally Vancouver, but they was sort of like in the early days, it would be like a nondescript, nice home. And it was just like all these stories about aspirational families who wanted a really a much nicer house than they can afford. And then they like make it happen for you. Um, I can't really explain the property brothers success, but here we are about 10 years later, they've been on HGTV for like basically a decade and they have property brothers, property brothers, buying and selling. Um, they have like multiple other shows and, uh, Jonathan Scott is dating Zoe Deschanel. 
Okay, thank you. That's what I was going to ask. Which one is dating Zoe Deschanel? <laughs> Jonathan Scott. Yes, they also recently were in Carpool Karaoke. I, it's just crazy that they are now like doing stuff with Brad Pitt. But so their latest show is Celebrity IOU, and it debuted last night, Monday night, April thirteenth, and it's basically like helping celebrities repay some sort of fake debt to a friend or something um based on the fact that they're like more famous than this friend they're trying to help their friend out and in brad pitt's case it was his best friend slash makeup artist named gene black who lives in santa monica she does in the in the santa monica flatlands as brad pitt uh specifies on the show that well, was a great introduction i i just he said santa monica flats i think he was trying to make it like beverly hills flats which is like is a thing but Santa Monica Flats is not. This house is in Sunset Park. It's also off of Ocean Park Boulevard. Okay. I thought it was a very charming home. Yeah, lovely. Everything that you just set up with the Property Brothers and the making a new home for the makeup artist who's very lovely, by the way, uh, Jean Black and her her IMDb is quite long because she has been working with Brad Pitt for 30 years. She also works with the Coen Brothers and Julia Roberts, which Brad Pitt ranks uh, her preferences at one point, he's number two among those three in the episode. He's number two. Coen Brothers are number one. But this is really an opportunity to just watch Brad Pitt be like, I love to build things. And Brad Pitt loving to build things has been one of my particular pet interests for 20 years now. My guy loves design. He loves to talk about his connection to buildings. And this is approximately 30 minutes of him just being like, if I'm not building, I'm dying, which is a real thing that he says on the show. <laughs> and it is interesting. I credit him for like actually knowing stuff. He knows things about the codes and the Santa Monica building codes and how far away from the property line you're able to build things. And he's talking about load bearing walls and he has opinions on materials. Like my guy is engaged. He's not just a like fake buzzword. I love design guy. And I just find it extremely charming charming to get to watch him nerd out on this hobby. It was pretty great. He also um, like wants to be a part of the process, but not actually doing the work. Uh, at least that was mm -hmm. the shtick, shtick he was playing up for the show. But I think it's probably true. Like he wants to be involved at a very top level and like know about the minutia, but not have to be immersed in the minutia. So like, you know, he started out doing the demo, but then he took a step back when it got really real. And then he goes out of town. I mean, you can't expect Brad Pitt to be available for three consecutive weeks of a rushed renovation. Exactly. Let me just say in terms of wanting to be involved in like the idea and the big picture decisions and not immerse in the minutia, same. Me and Brad Pitt, one more thing that we agree on. I really related to that attitude. So good for him. Yeah, he, it was great. I, I also, um, he made it very clear that he lives on the east side of Los Angeles because he was like, when I'm over here on the west side, I need to take a piss stop. I come in here or a pit stop and take a piss. I think that's what he said. And I mm -hmm. just, I thought the Santa Monica Flats thing was so funny because I was like, that's not a thing. And it reminded me of when he called Leonardo DiCaprio LDC, which as far as I know, also not a thing. So Brad Pitt just makes up nicknames, which I really enjoy. <laughs> yeah, he is very comfortable on this show, which is not surprising given that he is a major movie star and much of his fame is based on him uh, being really comfortable on camera and very natural and having a charisma. But he is very personable, I think, and he's clearly excited to be there. He's really excited to be doing this for his friend and makeup artist, Gene, and talks about how much she means to him and that there's like one really affecting moment after he gets his own kind of like renovation reveal before he presents it to her, which is very charming. 
um, you know, to give the Brad Pitt approval. And the property brothers and their team in one of the closets have like found an old picture of Gene Black's um, parents and have put it in the in the um, closet. And Brad Pitt sees that and like gets really emotional because he knows how much it'll mean to her. And I was like, oh, this is a real relationship. You're a real person. You're having emotions on screen. I there's a reason that you are as famous as you are because it was it was extremely effective yeah it was very sweet and then at the very end they do like fake acting exercises and he was trying to try and he was like being like a fake acting teacher and getting his gene his friend who he says is very shy and doesn't like to be on camera um to like pretend to be in uh like a crime movie and it was just really charming and funny and just sort of like everything you want out of Brad Pitt, like just self-aware enough, just earnest enough, very sweet. It was really great. I was trying to figure out what the timing was like on this, but I really, it's impossible to know. You mean when they filmed it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it could have been two years ago and it could have been, I guess, three months ago. I couldn't really tell you. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly pre-social distancing, but beyond that. No yeah, idea. There was no way of knowing. It was it was really great. I just also the fact that he just like dropped it on HGTV. This happens before. Like LeBron has randomly been on HGTV and Dwayne Wade. Like they just drop it and not a lot of fanfare leading up to it. And then it like catches on and people watch. And it's it's great. I I find HGTV incredibly soothing. I absolutely it's a great, great background noise. One of the reasons I still enjoy having like YouTube TVs, like just to pop on channels like that. So I was really delighted to to watch this while doing some work this morning do you like watching the construction parts of it or are you more interested in the early architecture and design planning i like all of what it. speaks to you i love just okay. love a reno show i like also one of the things about the show that i like is it reminded me of my first favorite home renovation show while you were out which i used to rush home from high school to watch on hgtv which was hosted by evan um who was also in the band together on mtv and basically like they would trick someone's family member or friend for like leaving for X number of hours. I think it was like 48. It was incredibly short. And when they came back, they would have a new renovation in their home and it would be like, Oh my God, look at this room that we redid for you. And I, it was, it's very similar format to while you were out. It just happens to be with celebrities yeah. in a new name. I will say, I find that I do like the new queer. I am, I have not caught up on all of it, but I find them very charming. And I always think that it's, it's Bobby who does the, the house remake on the new Queer Eye, right? I don't know. I, I watched season one, but I don't really remember it. Anyway, so it's Bobby who does all of their renovation on Queer Eye, and he'll just completely remake a home in I probably like 48 hours. Maybe it's 72. I mean, they're not like, you know, being very realistic with the edit. But I don't feel that he gets enough credit because that is a, just a total transformation of an entire home, which really changes how someone lives that one person is doing in a very short period of time and everyone's just like, Oh, someone else bought him a new shirt. What an amazing makeover. No, the house really changes your whole life. Yeah, it really does. It does. It, yeah. it kind of bothers me. They just do single rooms. One thing that was good about the celebrity IOU is it was her garage. They turned into like a functional um, guest room area. I, I always used to wonder while you were out, like what happens to the rest of the house? Like, do you ever get to it or you just have like one room that's really great and everything else that's kind of crappy. Right. And this was a place that she had like been meaning to do something with and was using as storage. And they really, they definitely maximize it. I do have one note, if I may. Yes, of course. To, to Brad Pitt and the Property Brothers. So they turned just this like former garage slash like 
additional dwelling unit, as I think it's called, ADU, uh, into it is both a guest quarters and with a kitchen and a bathroom. And there's a, clo- a hidden closet with some storage space. And it can double as a place for her to do some of the makeup work and consultations. They build this like very nifty um, hidden mirror that just like rises out of the kitchen island. Very cool. I just want to say, I think the bathroom's taking up a tremendous amount of space. Yeah, it was very, very limited. It's very big and it looks really nice. And I love a spacious bathroom. But my one note would be, I don't know if you need a giant spa shower in a 400 square foot additional living space. Just my note. (laughs) Great point. A great point. Uh, I also thought the closet was like, I was just like, why are you putting in a false wall? I mean, I understand why they did, but it just, it cuts it down even, even more. My main note was the TV was in a really stupid position. You would never be able to watch it from the couch. The angle was really bad and the glare would be just unbearable. So it's like really only functional at absolute nighttime. Um, but you know, I guess it's not really the, the primary purpose of that space is not for the television. So whatever. That's true. And I like Jean do really like those doors that fold up onto the patio. So you make it an indoor outdoor space. I thought that was really lovely. So, I mean, it definitely was a vast improvement and she seemed very moved. So that's great. I know. And their friendship was just so sweet. Yeah. I mean, that was the nice part. As you noted, the, at the end, when you actually, she, like, she seems genuinely shocked to be on TV and is a little like, I really would rather not be on TV, which is very charming. But once she gets comfortable and they start bantering and you're like, oh, this is a real, these are real humans, which is nice. You don't get to see celebrities of Brad Pitt's nature be like real humans that often. Cause why would they allow you that, that access? Totally. This was like a nice protected way for him to kind of be like an annoying, charming little brother for a while. Um, the show presented it as Brad Pitt had reached out to the property brothers, which just seems impossible. I don't think Brad Pitt's first <laughs> thought is like, Hey, I want to do a, re- a renovation for my friend. Let me call Drew and Jonathan. That seems really unlikely to me. I agree. And it is kind of shocking to me that he agreed to do it at, at all. all. I know. I, <laughs> I do wonder then whether the timing was sometime between the release of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was last July, and the Oscars yeah, in, for the press in February. Yes, because he was definitely more available. And also the fashion-wise, I mean, he always wears the same thing, but it, the, the the actual uniform matches what he was wearing during those like off-duty press appearances. It matched. So if I had to guess. It looked like his can um, outfit from last July when he was just like showed yeah. up in the hat and the t-shirt basically. So probably was yes. last summer. That's a good call. Yeah. And I think that also explains why he would be slightly more willing to like be on HGTV, yeah. which is not something that Brad Pitt was doing even a year ago. Brad Pitt is such a rich interior or not even interior, but like a rich out of the spotlight life. It's just endlessly fascinating. For some reason, as I was watching, yeah. I was just thinking about what it's like to be one of his kids. I just can't imagine. I mean, that's a whole other situation. Yeah, to be the kids of any two people who are that famous and to have lived your whole life in that bubble and then like grow up on a vineyard in France, I don't really know. And also for Gene Black, his best friend, who he's known for almost 30 or almost 30 years, to watch him go through so many things and like obviously they're very close confidants. Like it just must be so weird. And you're just like a constant in his life when so many other things change. It, I'm sure that he is close with his long-term friends because they are like a level of stability that he probably lacks in like almost every other way. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you look at uh, Jean Black's IMDb page, it really is. She is the makeup artist for Brad Pitt on every single film. And then she works with the Coen brothers and she does work with Julia Roberts a fair amount. But like Brad Pitt is the is the dominant figure. And it's like I think it is for him the consistency. This is his team. These are the people who he works with every time to make what is otherwise a pretty um, varied and uh, what's the word that I'm looking for where you're wandering around? Nomadic. Very nomadic uh, <laughs> existence, a, a little more personal and sane. Yeah. Well, it was just really heartwarming. Everyone check it out. HGTV. It's like on demand if you didn't DVR it. Celebrity IOU. A good name. I like it. Good work, everyone. It was great. Yeah. Good job. Great programming. On the topic of celebrity homes, let's talk about Drake's house, which came out in Architectural Digest last year and is really something last week last week yes excuse me really something yes where would you like to begin this is well so this is a house that he has apparently been working on for uh several years and he is working with the canadian architectural and interior designer ferris rafali it is a fifty thousand square foot home in Toronto that is called the embassy. And that those are all the facts that I'm going to give you before. I'm just going to say, this is, this is quite a choice of design. It is. I don't really even think that tacky is fair because it is so extra and so deliberately over the top that I almost, almost respect it while never ever wanting to live in it ever yeah i mean it's like tacky isn't the right word i guess it's like garish and opulent um immediately Mm -hmm. people started comparing it to like great gatsby like drake fashioning himself as like a jay gatsby type of uh aesthete and Mm it's not wrong i mean it's just like so absolutely ridiculous and all the ceilings are so high which is cool but like, it's just in every way it's, um, over the top and just so much like mustard, yellow, gold, and black. And yes, I mean, the main influences seem to be, uh, one Oak, various club atmospheres and also Las Vegas hotels. Yeah. It's just like, it's very, it's very much places that you don't actually live that you visit like once in a while. And then you hope to not go back to because they're so overwhelming to the senses. Yes. I have a couple questions. I mean, you know, beyond the, at some point you can't really interrogate someone else's taste, someone else's taste is someone else's taste. And if Drake wants to build this monument to himself and these are his aesthetic values, then in a lot of ways, I guess that makes sense. And he can live where he wants to live and spend his money, how he wants to spend it. Here are my two questions. Number one, are there windows in Drake's 50,000 square foot home? Not that we can see. I, that was my first reaction was just like intense claustrophobia because I could not see like an ounce of natural light and or a single window. Yeah. That's all. The only Again, place there's a window taste. that we can see is by the piano. That's it. Yes. For making yes. his music. Does, yes. Drake, does Drake know how to play uh, the piano? Probably at a basic level. Yeah. You know, I don't know whether he's playing Chopin, but I think probably <laughs> yes at this point self-taught maybe number two 
Drake's favorite, I'm reading from the Architectural Digest article. Drake's favorite spot in the house is his 3,200 square foot master bedroom suite with an additional 1,100 square feet of covered terraces. That's an entire home. That's 3,200 square feet (laughs) is, I believe, almost three times the size of the home that I'm living in right now (laughs) just for your master bedroom. What are you doing? What's in it? I don't know. Like, why even have the rest of your house? Like, if you're just, like, lounging all the time in your house-sized master suite, what's the point of the rest of it? Is it multi-level? I, I have no idea. Probably? Probably. I Like, okay. a, lo- like a loft okay. space of some kind? Who, who can say? I mean, I don't know how you fill a 32,000-square-foot master suite. I mean, I guess it is also, that's including a, a large bathroom, which I'm guessing he has a spa shower, much like uh, Jean Black, and the closet, which I'm sure is quite extensive. But the 3,200 square feet master suite is not including 1,100 square foot in covered terraces, which like, what does that even mean? It's basically like he built a Versailles in Toronto. That's like basically what he was going for. Just for his bedroom. Yeah, but no, I mean, the whole thing is like on the level of like a overindulgent monarch from the 18th century so but this is the mm-hmm. 21st century but you know what drake you know if you if you can do it i support it i just i think that his uncanny ability to just drop a new catchy 15 second dance friendly hook as well as something else at the same time is honestly unparalleled like drake won drake in many ways like dominated last week between his house and the Tuesday slide so he just is like doing things right and that's why he has his 3200 square foot master suite I mean, he is a master of the internet and media right now and understanding how to make himself the center of culture. And even this, I suppose, he is making himself the center of a culture because I have not stopped thinking about the windows in this house or the lack thereof for like a week. So no one is saying that Drake isn't completely gifted. I just, this is not where I would want to live. Right. But like, as a king, would you want to live in like one of the palaces? Probably not either. I just think he's fashioning himself as a king. (laughs) I haven't spent enough time actually thinking about as a king, how I would want to live my life. I think it would Uh, also be very claustrophobic. Yes, but that would be more about the people than about the palaces. I mean, some palaces have natural light, right? Not the really old ones. They weren't big on windows. I mean, they have some, but certainly they don't have the folding window door like Jean Black. That's a good point. It's a, a modern That's a good uh, point. Okay. touch. I'll have to think about that. You know, maybe maybe some of the Mediterranean palaces, maybe I would look more to, you know, Italian or the Spanish vibes. We got to send you for, straight to for, Dorne, you know, like in Game of yeah. Thrones. Right. Great. Okay. Mediterranean. So that's now I know how I will live as a king, which is wonderful. Like a Dornish king, Amanda Dobbins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next topic. Um, another great segue from Drake's online presence to Aaron Foster's, who causes a lot of uh, stark opinions. I didn't really have an opinion on Aaron and her sister Sarah Foster. We discussed them previously. Uh, Sarah Foster, or Sarah Foster, and her husband Tommy Haas were, I think, the reason why Roger Federer attended David Foster and Catherine McPhee's wedding. And they're Correct. just sort of like in the celebrity ether, increasingly such. They're like also part of like the set of people that like travel to Rome for weddings. Like I think they were at Misha Nunu's wedding as well. You know, they're like kind of like in that crowd. Um, Aaron Foster recently converted to Judaism. 
because she married a Jewish man. Uh, it was a New Year's Eve wedding. And last week, she, right after we discussed Allison Roman, she was on her Instagram making for preparing her first Passover, and she made the Allison Roman Roman matzo ball soup, and it was great timing, and it was very charming. I enjoyed it. I became aware of this because you texted me, please check out Aaron Foster's first Seder on Instagram. And I really enjoyed it. She Here's how she made the Allison Roman matzo ball soup, which is she started Instagramming. She was like, I'm doing this. And then immediately had a lot of questions about whether to use either. I can't remember whether it was the onion skin or the full garlic head of garlic with skin in the soup. And so she just added Allison Roman in her Instagrams and was like, Allison Roman, please help. What do I do? And then fast forward, the next story is two hours later. And she's just like, Allison Roman doesn't give a shit about my matzo ball soup, <laughs> but I went ahead and put the onion and the garlic in anyway. I honestly, it's a win for everyone involved. I, again, I really think that Allison Roman is a great recipe developer. And I also don't think that she needs to be at the beck and call of every single person who is making her recipes at all times, even Aaron Foster, who has a lot of followers on Instagram. I also just really like Aaron Foster being like, well, I guess she doesn't give a fuck about me. <laughs> she probably doesn't have to have that realization that often. So it was fun to see it happen yes. in real time. Yes. Also, I think she did actually wind up following the instructions closely. Um, and put all of the skins in the in the broth, which are supposed to do. They add color and a lip, little bit more flavor. Just FYI, I was like, oh, Aaron Foster's never watched Food Network before because this is fairly common yeah. when making a broth or a stock. But whatever. Um, so that was a that was a win, very charming. And then yesterday, I think, or just a few days later after that, she posted on her Instagram where she has over she has about five hundred forty thousand followers. She posted a picture of her her lovely wedding from New Year's Eve, which was in Nashville at the time. I followed it breathlessly, and she posted not to brag, but what a time to have already had your wedding. And many people didn't take kindly to this and were like annoyed that she was doing like her funny humor about like her wedding um in this time of quarantine and instead of just like letting it go and moving on she and her sister sarah foster have been in the comments like defending erin from people who are offended by this and i just want to say i don't find it offensive and like whatever i i think it's like a lot of people are making weird choices with her instagram this is among the less offensive to me if at all but like don't get in the comment section erin foster i'm so glad that you brought this up because I have been thinking about this with respect to another celebrity who I was talking about last week, Florence Pugh, mm. who after disabling comments on her birthday wishes to Zach Braff, her boyfriend, took to Instagram to post a video being like, be a human being. And you're, this is not a place for you guys to post hateful comments. And I'm not going to tell you who to love. And you don't get to tell me who to love, which she's 100% correct that she gets to do whatever she wants. And as long as it's, you know, safe and healthy and she's making choices for herself, great job. But I was just thinking a lot about, I, I think I agree with you about Aaron Foster, don't get in the comments, but I was thinking a lot with the Florence Pugh and the Zach Braff thing. If you're just a person and you're following Florence Pugh on Instagram and you're ostensibly following her because you like her, right? And you want content from her, what is the deal with just commenting like break up with him on someone that you likes Instagram comment? If you're a nobody, I just, I don't understand that commenting impulse. And I want to be really clear. It's not that I don't understand judging and it's not that I don't understand gossip. I uh, 
support gossip. I support judging other people. It's human. It's what we do on this podcast. It's what we do in life. But like, haven't you ever heard about talking about someone behind their back? Like, what is the <laughs> impulse of just being like, I'm going to go straight to you and shit talk you? No, shit talking is for private. Shit talking is how you bond with other people who aren't the person you're shit talking. Like, what are we doing? Be smarter. Text your friend. If you want to say something bad about Florence Pugh, find your friend who also hates her and send the Instagram and send your comment there screenshot it send it via instagram dm they're like call your friend there are so many different ways to say like pretty rude impertinent things about people whether they're celebrities or people in your own life that don't involve like going directly to the person there's judging and then there's just being like a a weird asshole and i just don't really understand who is benefiting from putting this in the comment section so to bring it back in that sense I kind of understand Aaron Foster being like, you want a piece of me? Because what are these people doing? I know. It's just like, I don't think anyone gains from the back and forth in Aaron Foster's comment section. Namely, not I Aaron agree with Foster. That. I, mean, I mean, you have to rise above. As soon as you acknowledge things, then they exist. I agree with that. Aaron Foster has a platform or whatever. And I guess I'm not really offended by that. Though it's, you know, I don't think that I would have posted that if I had gotten married on New Year's Eve. But that's just one of many differences between me and Aaron Foster. I've seen a lot so, of people throwing up wedding pics. I'm like, oh, great. Here's an occasion to throw show wedding picture of my last year. Eh, I don't know. People do I, that. I'm just so quickly muting. I just feel like everyone is bad. I'm just like, so I've been muting a lot. Like I even am muting brands, like not even just like unfollowing, but like muting some. I'm like, I'll come back to this at a later date. Even muting brands, God forbid. Do you know how many brands I have muted? Well, why, I don't why want an Instagram a, story from a brand. Why don't you unfollow a brand? Because I do find a difference in a brand's Instagram posts and Instagram mm -hmm. stories. I don't really need the behind the scenes on how this like beautiful linen dress that costs far too much money was made. I just need to know that it's like available. Sure. If I want to buy it on my own schedule. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Because like, muting is usually like a purgatory or like a punishment, in my opinion. And I feel like a lot of the time, at least the way that I think of it, I feel like brands can't, uh, they can't be hurt that way by me not looking at their story. But what you're saying makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it's more like about the information that I sure. want and need rather than what the brand needs for me, since the brand is not a human being. Right. I just, you know, Aaron Foster, you've got my attention. Please stay out of your, your comments. That's all I'm saying. I agree with that. And also, please, everyone, learn how to talk about people behind each other's backs. We need more of that in society. Text a friend. That's all we're saying. All there right. There we go. Next, um, Camilla Parker Bowles. What's her official title these days, Amanda? Duchess of Cornwall. Thanks for asking. The Duchess of Cornwall, Camilla Parker Bowles, tweeted a recommended reading list for um, while you're at home quarantining. And let's just read off the books because honestly, they're weird. Um, I was going to say, I really like them and I'm at least, I'm going to seek out one of these later, but continue. They are Restless by William Boyd, A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, The Simon Surveiller Series by Susan Hill, the Book of Dust, A Secret Commonwealth by Philip Pullman. The Cazalet Chronicles by, uh, by Elizabeth Drain Howard. A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolles. The Red Notebook by Lorraine Antoine. Uh, the Architect's Apprentice by Elif Shafak. And Travels on My Elephant by Mark Shand. 
I think we have just learned a lot about Camilla. But first of all, which of these books are you planning to buy? At least two of them. What I've learned is that Camilla Parker Bowles and I have like the exact same taste in leisure reading or escapist reading. Because what do we have here? We've got Restless, which is apparently from the copy that I'm reading on the book cover and with her uh, her editorialization. Uh, spy thriller. Great. <laughs> Love a spy thriller. Tale of Two Cities. I have to be honest. I'm a, Dickens is not my number one because I'm a little lazy. I don't like writers who literally uh, wrote by the by the word, but also Charles Dickens is one of the greatest writers ever in the English language. So respect the Simon Seraglier series also appears, appears to be crime fiction, which I really enjoy. She's reading the new Philip Pullman trilogy. I think the Philip Pullman golden compass series is actually quite an achievement. And, uh, you know, I don't really go for the intense fantasy stuff, but I, I really actually think I really enjoyed reading those. I th I dig it that she's into them too. Kazlet Chronicles, which seems like, you know, Downton Abbey, but or or other kind of British upper crust fiction. Gentleman in Moscow, which I have read, thought was very charming. I liked it too. And the red and the red notebook. Here's let me read her description. A clever, funny novel, a masterpiece of Parisian perfection. As if I'm not gonna download this as soon as we're done podcasting. <laughs> I just thought these were very um, I think many of them sound good. I agree. I just was like, this is not what I expected out of Camilla Parker Bowles. I guess that's why I found it weird. It was just a lot more um, like, like Netflix British programming, which, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely like she belongs to some British book clubs that are not that different from our understanding of American book clubs. These are, these seem to be accessible fiction choices. Yeah. How about that? Definitely. Good, good, good point. You know what? You know what I love? Accessible fiction. Oh, I forgot The Architect's Apprentice, a magical, colorful tale set during the height of the Ottoman Empire. Listen, I love that seems escapist, like another world. If it's actual magic, I might have to pause. I don't really need actual magic unless it's Philip Pullman. But, you know, the pull quotes look great. They all seem extremely uh, well-respected. I don't know. Could be worse. Oh, and she also recommended her brother's book, which I thought was nice. Do you think she's actually... I won't... That's Travels on My Elephant. I do you think that? Yeah, she... I won't be reading it. No, certainly not. Um, do you think she's actually read all of these? Yes, probably. I mean, what else does she have to do? Number one, she was in quarantine because her husband, Prince Charles, did test positive for COVID-19. Also, I mean, what do the royals do all day, especially the more senior royals? Because we know that they make appearances, which they're not doing currently. And then otherwise, they just like have a lot of phone calls about whether you are hats to meetings. So... <laughs> I think that she has time to read these books. And again, with the exception of A Tale of Two Cities, which I actually don't even think is Dickens' longest novel, these are like pretty easy, accessible. I don't want to say easy, but sure, it's not War and Peace. How um, about that? I think you're correct. I believe Bleak House is his longest novel. Okay. Uh, I also, this is presented with a photo of her sitting outside of like a home and sort of like a rustic door of her reading a book. And it just was uh, all very, just, just very royal. Just a great diversion. Check it out. Uh, they posted all of it on the uh, Clarence House Instagram. I recommend following them for some, some fun stuff. Um, all right. Let's talk about this weekend, Ben Affleck. He hosted a uh, charity poker tournament on Twitch, which I believe our um, friend of the ringer, cousin Sal Iacono was also a part of. And uh, Jason Bateman, who's having a moment since Ozark season three is apparently very good and not up to it yet. No spoilers. 
and many other people. Um, and it was on Twitch. So like no one could find it. Many people could, but most of them I don't think are daily mail readers on like an hourly basis. Yes, exactly. So this was announced, I believe, on Friday before the poker tournament, which uh, was held on Saturday. And it was announced on Ben Affleck's Instagram. And I could not have been more excited because Ben Affleck and Toby Maguire, who the, uh, the, the film uh, now very highly ranked on Netflix, apparently Molly's Game about mm. a celebrity poker ring is allegedly based on was also going to be some of the one of the celebrities participating and this online poker tournament to benefit Feeding America, which is a very worthy cause. And it was going to be held on Saturday. And I was like, this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me because it's all of my interests together and also a great cause. Um, I could not figure out how to watch it. But that's not true, actually. I did end up watching some of it uh, after the fact because it was recorded. And I have to tell you, as someone who doesn't know how to play poker, I found it very hard to follow. It was not like they were all zoomed in together, cracking jokes. It was like you were watching a computer feed of them kind of playing poker. Um, but, and, and I did note that I thought it would be a major thing, right? And that I didn't have to watch it live because there would be tons of clips and, you know, it would get celebrity blogged out of existence. And I think what you said is right, which is like Twitch is just another universe, Yes. And that just it happened. And I believe that they raised a lot of money for Feeding America, which is an achievement. But otherwise, it's like it didn't happen. So maybe that's exactly what Ben Affleck wanted. His daily walks would suggest otherwise. But perhaps it's hard for these celebrity yeah. events to break through because there's actually like a lot of them. Like also on Saturday night, there was the Saturday Night Seder. Don't know if you heard about that. Uh, but it was like all these celebrities doing a Passover thing. Some Jewish, some not. And then, like, you know, Vulture every day posts, like, here are all the celebrity live events you could watch on social media mm -hmm. every day. Like, there's just there. It's pretty great because it's, like, you know, nice. Everyone wants to um, keep entertaining and raising money and, and everything like that. But it actually has become hard to, like, break through because there's so many of them. Yes. And I'm finding the only way that they really do break through is that if someone's like, hey, this is happening right now and click on it. Yeah. I, uh, I and many other individuals watched the um the Primo and RZA DJ battle on Saturday night on Instagram live, which was delightful primarily because they barely know how to use Instagram live. And we're like, but you know, and also tremendous music, but it was one of those things where it was like people on Twitter were tweeting about it. And Chris Ryan, our pal was very into it. And we were just like, Oh, we should check this out right now. We, Cause we don't have anything else to do, but it is hard. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Set a calendar update of being like at 11 a.m on saturday morning i'm gonna watch ben affleck's computer avatar play poker I, I don't really think that didn't happen i didn't do that neither did i also i i also don't understand poker so i was just like okay i'll catch up with it later but you know yeah um the daily mail is like a funny read because it's just like i'm like okay i'm sick of looking at celebrities going to the grocery store i've got it they were all doing the same thing which is nothing and then going out for provisions and so even that, I'm just like, okay, I'm sick of these. And so I, I get fewer updates because I'm like seeking them out less. Yes. Yeah. And it's also, I, I mean, how many times can I see a Zoom grid screenshot? Which, I mean, you pointed out at some point, we really are going to start messing the production elements. Even in the Brad Pitt thing this morning, I was like, oh, this is a reality television crew. There were lights. There were cameras. Someone knew how to film this. Yeah. It was legit. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, hopefully we'll just be continued to be surprised by major A-listers turning up on basic cable. You know, it's all we can really hope for these days. <laughs> One more important story before we go. 
Let's talk about Martha Stewart. <laughs> the opposite of celebrities showing up on basic cable is celebrities accidentally uh, drunk Instagram commenting, maybe via voice activation on uh, local farms, uh, chicken farms accounts. So, which is what happened with Martha Stewart. And you need to seek it out for yourself. It's on the Instagram of the best little house in Texas. And she's very worried about these uh, chickens. So here's just what I want to say is that in general, Martha Stewart is both an avid social media user and not the most precise of uh, users. Her photos are consistently terrible. They have terrible been since lighting. well before. They need the HGTV yeah, and, lighting. And she writes the captions herself and doesn't really edit them. And it definitely has like the mom emailing you via voice dictation like five years ago vibes. So in her defense, here we go. M as me sure you feed, which I am assuming make sure you feed and water with an errant capital A them daily and keep the heat is as no BK and as as ND. I don't know when you can finally come back to NYC, who is going to care for them, which is an important question. So I guess this is just Martha Stewart giving some chicken care tips in the comments on a Saturday night. And so did several other media outlets because, oh, I'm sorry. Follow up. What a mess I have been drinking is the second comment. Incredible. So this gets picked up. This gets picked up. And then God bless Martha Stewart. uh, Monday morning. I'm sorry. Tuesday morning. Confession. This is on Twitter. Yes. I had two glasses of wine with my detainees. A very, very good wine. When I composed a voice activated IG response to my friend, Douglas Friedman, obviously I did not check it three exclamation points. And then the next tweet, thanks us and Buzzfeed for pointing out my indiscretion with multiple exclamation points. (laughs) I love that. She thanked us and Buzzfeed us weekly, not us as in me and Amanda. Mm -hmm. Great, great stuff. She's just, um, she's very online. It's really good. She's both online and herself, which is the only way to be. I completely agree. Martha Stewart and Brad Pitt just lighting the way, being themselves. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye.